Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. This is Mike Allstock, Kent Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons, cannons. Fire them! Keep on firing them! Keep on firing them! Thirty-five to seven, your final score from Santa Clara in Levi Stadium. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers fall victim to rookie quarterback mystery relevant Brock Purdy in the San Francisco 49ers. And their record falls to six and seven on the year. This might be one of the shortest podcasts we have ever done because I, I really don't know what there is to really say about this football game that we just watched. It was a uh, it was a 425 p.m. kickoff. It is a little after 745 p.m. So we are just now starting the pod, which means not only did Tampa Bay get dominated in one of the worst games so far they've uh, they've had this year. It seemed like it took damn near forever. Uh, but welcome back to the show. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BoxNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. How you feeling after that? Yeah, you know, it's um I we and you were talking a little bit before the the show and uh we both kind of agreed yes, we we had the the Bucks, you know, in a close game. I expect them to be more competitive. But after that first 49ers drive, you kind of kind of felt that the the game might turn out a little bit that way. Um just the, the way things sort of went after that opening penalty, which obviously we'll get into all that stuff, but um yeah, obviously you know, whenever you're getting dominated like that, no matter where it's at at home or away or whatever, uh, it's not, not good. And, um, you know, they're, they keep trying to find answers to, to the same test and they just can't do it. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, they, the funny thing is they're still first in the NFC South, but you know, it's a shame that like the NFC South just sucks because like, you know, they still have that to look at. Right. They still have that. So, well, at least there's that, well, which it, which they haven't earned that right, though. That's and let me ask you a question, because, I mean, even with the losses that have piled up so far this year, every single week, we've had the opportunity to look at the Bucks and say, well, big picture, still first place in the NFC South. You can't be too upset with that, because as long as you hang on to that, you do have a playoff spot. But in a couple of weeks, they're playing a Panthers team who already beat them this year and I believe is on track to beat the Seahawks if they have not already, which means after this week, they have sole possession of second place in the NFC South. Hey, and really quick, a $5 super chat from our buddy Matt Diaz says at least they played complimentary football today. Uh, so with that being said, it's safe to the, the 49ers. Or right. Or yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Bucks the, complimented the Panthers, the Panthers did win, by the way. Yeah. So the Panthers right now, sole possession of second place in the NFC South. Uh, even with the Bucks loss, I think the Bucks at six and seven, Panthers at five and eight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, believe so. 
Yeah, so with that being said, by the time the Bucks play Carolina once again, they have another division game against Atlanta. But if Carolina sweeps you, I mean, what the hell are they going to do? You know, it's one of those things where I don't know how faithful I am in this team to win two out of those two final division games they have. If you win those, then it's a wrap. You get a playoff yeah, spot. Yes. You get a home playoff game. I mean, hell, I feel like you can almost beat Carolina and lose to Atlanta and still limp in with first place in the NFC South. But, I mean, this was just an uninspired performance today. And like you had said, the Bucks are stuck answering the same question that they have answered all year. So here we are following a 35-7 to loss. Where do you want to start breaking this game down? Yeah, so um... – Real quick, yeah. The I mean, they could lose, you know, and and we knew this coming in, but it's not obviously the way you want to go into the playoffs. They could lose to the 49ers, to the Bengals next week, and to the Cardinals, and it wouldn't matter as long as they won those last two games. But you'd feel pretty, I don't know, slimy, I guess, like going into the playoffs like that. You know, that's um, so obviously, you know, they don't want to do that. And today definitely doesn't help with anybody's confidence that, you know, they can even make the playoffs because the road just got a lot tougher now with Carolina there. Um, yeah, obviously I, I think we, we got to start at when the game was at least somewhat competitive, even though that was a short amount of time. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the first penalty look, you know, I, um, we talk a lot about the rough and the passers things. They suck. Uh, the rules suck. They're always going to suck. Was it the right call? By definition, yes. Is it, should it be the right call? No, because the rules should be completely different. Um, but it, I mean, by rule, that, that's the right call, even though you don't really love it. So to me, that just, that changed the whole game. Instead of a second and 18, second and 19, it not only, um, gave the 49ers a first down, but it gave them a free 15. And after that, the 49ers offense really marched down the field with ease. I know the Bucs uh, gave them you know, a little bit of a third down there. Um, the Bucs decided to send some pressure uh, to Purdy early, which I understand the thought process. You want the rookie quarterback you know, to, to face that pressure. But he was really good last week against the Dolphins pressure. So I would have sat back and played a little bit more coverage than they did. But um, – and then, obviously, you know, we can talk about the other, you know, obvious penalty, which was a little bit less questionable. Uh, the, the Donovan Smith hold, which would have tied the game uh, on the, the the Mike Evans wide-open touchdown. And maybe gave Evans some confidence, you know, uh, after that dropped touchdown I mean, versus Carolina. It would have been – seemed to lost confidence. That could have really – I mean, he, he was pretty pumped. And then, yeah, it's pretty demoralizing for a football team. Yeah. It would have been Mike Evans' first touchdown in nine games. For the Buccaneers, you know, we, we, we talk about the turning point in the season on offense. It gave you shades of that play against Carolina. Now, I know he didn't reel that in for the 60 plus yard touchdown like he should have. And he was able to grab this one. But let's talk about Donovan Smith for a minute, because uh, he is obviously going to be feeling the flames of Bucks fans for weeks to come. I mean, he's already been under pressure for years here and a couple of mediocre years does not negate him of any criticism because he does lead the NFL among offensive linemen. Four holding penalties since he has come into the league. So, um, to be fair, he's also played, I think, like almost every single game uh, of like tackles, like eligible tackles. So that helps as well. When you're playing a lot, you're naturally going to get more, but still not good. And I, I mean, he is in the in, second straight week, he's costing a touchdown. In the last two weeks, he has cost the Buccaneers two touchdowns. You know, yeah. luckily they had a chance to go out there and run it again against the uh, against the Saints on Monday Night Football, but like, 
Rashad White got that touchdown with three seconds left. Who's to say that that's the play where the holding call is and you don't have quite as much time to go out there and try and run that thing again? I mean, well, it what is if, just... What if they don't score that touchdown? And then, then they're sitting If they don't, they're, eight, they're sitting you know? at zero points. So let's let's shift the conversation now. I know we're talking about Donovan Smith and people are going to have plenty uh, to say about him. I mean, he's not... Fact of the matter is, he's not the only buck that didn't execute the way that they needed out there today. So this isn't going to be the rail Donovan Smith show as much as we would like it to be. It's just, it's not the time nor the place for that. Um, I mean, let's well, talk here, about it. Let, let, let's here's the thing real quick on Smith. Just, I just want to get this out. Really Go ahead. Quick. Yeah. I've said for a while that like, you know, he's gotten a ton of hate, especially when, you know, Jameis was here and stuff when he was a younger player and stuff, he's gotten a ton of hate and, and everything. And I've said for a while, and I still believe this, you know, he's an average, sometimes people above, above average left tackle. Sometimes he's below average. Right now, he's playing at a below average level. Um, Donovan Smith, to me, and this is just my surface analysis. I think a lot of people may agree. I can tell you a lot of people aren't going to agree with what you said. But recency bias in the NFL is a very real thing. Um, I think Donovan Smith is a below average player. I think he is a below right average. Now he is. Right I, now th- no, I think like he always has been. I, I think when you're playing next to guys like he has been playing next to these past couple of years, it's going to do you some favors, right? I mean, look at Nick Leverett today. I know it was a penalty, but Nick Leverett saved that play uh, on the one penalty that got brought back. He pretty much saved Brady from certain death. And I mean, when you look at everyone else on that line as well, you know, you are who you play around. And look at the offensive line today. It almost went exactly the way we thought it would. I mean, Josh Wells was getting beat like a drum. There was one play where a flag ended up whistling the play dead, and he still got beat, and Brady still got knocked down to the ground. Right? Like, like the play had been whistled dead two seconds in, and Josh Wells was so far out of position that the linebacker was able to fall down and still pretty much just tackle Tom Brady after the play was over. And, and and here's the thing about Smith's yeah, it, contract. It, and, yes, yeah. I, I've seen that's the market. Okay, that's just you look at some left tackles. That's what left tackles get paid. Like I, I'm sorry, like it just it just is. Um, Donovan Smith is not the highest paid left tackle in the league, but he's also obviously not the lowest. Um, you know, that's just that's just what it is. Uh, that's the going rate for the, for the market for that type of player. It doesn't, and you know, and I I've long you know defended Smith, but I mean right now obviously you're not going to defend him because right now he's playing some brutal football. Um, and you know, and he's he's hurting the team. He's he's costing them. He's doing the worst thing you can do as an offensive lineman. He's costing them points. On Taking the board. points off the board, you know, not and, just and, and one think, week, but two weeks in a row. You know, and and I think that, that today, I think that was his only penalty, but it was a pretty costly one. I mean, who knows? No, he had a he had another he had another he, uh, not, had another false start, I believe. I didn't I didn't think he did, but okay. Yeah, um, they they called his name later in the game, and I only remember that because I laughed my ass off when they did because I knew everybody was thinking the same thing I was. Um, so, you know, uh, who knows what happens if that game is seven, seven right there, who knows what happens the rest of the way there, uh, the bucks, you know, they finally break through with that big play. Who knows what happens? Uh, the entire game could have been different. So, um, you know, yeah, just like you said, we're not going to harp on one player because when you lose 35 to seven, it's not just Donovan Smith's fault. You know, it's, he's not the only guy. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just when when you lose 35 to 7, there's 
way more than one or even two uh, things that you can talk about, and, you know, people to blame and stuff. Yeah, and, and penalties, to be honest with you, they cost the Bucks more than one play today. It wasn't just the 66-yard touchdown that was negated. It was an Anthony Nelson interception later on in the game. It was the first play of the game. Keanu, Keanu Neal with a huge sack to open things up. That would have put them back way at like second and 18. You know, just like you said, it's not even the penalties. Like, I think they finished with six or seven penalties today, which is still a lot. Like, if you're giving up over 50 yards of field on penalties in the day, it's it's probably not going to be a great outing for you. But it wasn't like it was that sloppy of a game. It was just the most crucial at the moment. worst times. Yeah, like, the at the times. worst times. And that has happened all year. It's unfortunate. Well, that Anthony Nelson penalty was I know. No, I agree. I mean, I mean, I I mean come on. You're not going to call – you're going to call that on Carlton Davis. But the previous drive was the Bucks drive where they didn't call that on Chris Godwin. Right. Like, and are, are you I, serious right now? I thought there were a couple of plays where – I mean, even Brady was pleading his case with the officials. That's not breaking news for him in a Bucks uniform. But, like, there were a couple of times where – you know, he totally should have gotten the call, whether it was uh, whether it was that one linebacker literally choking him out while wrestling him to the ground or it was, you know, the other roughing the passer that we saw or the defensive pass interference that we did not and, see. And, and just to get this straight. We're not saying, you know, yeah, the Bucks probably we're still going to lose this game. Yeah, no, they, no, no, no. I don't like, think pen, I, but, penalties did not lose the game for yeah. Tampa Bay. Don't get it twisted. If, if, <laughs> if the game was if the game was thirty five to thirty two, then maybe you know may, maybe then you can make that argument. But yeah, when you lose thirty five to seven, we're not saying that. We're not saying that. Oh, you know, the refs cost them the game. The Bucks themselves cost them the game. However, you also have to acknowledge that the refs in, in this in this game were just awful. Yeah, awful. No, they, they were bad. Uh, really quick, before we talk about this coaching staff, wanted to get some injury updates out there. Bucks corner Jamel Dean, who left with a toe injury, has a left uh, left foot in a boot in the locker room. And then Todd Bowles also had no injury updates on Vita Vea, who left with a calf injury. Jamel Dean, who we just talked about, and Joe Tryon Shoyanka. It's also too early to tell if Tristan Wirfs is going to be able to go next week against Cincinnati. So let's talk about this Buccaneers coaching staff. We talked about the offense. It's hard to harp on... I mean, it's it's really hard to harp on one player when you lose 35-7 to like you did. And the one touchdown that they had, a touchdown catch by Russell Gage, Tom Brady's 100th passing touchdown as a yeah, Tampa Bay Buccaneer. <laughs> yeah, it was a fluke, and they wanted to take it off of the board. Luckily, they didn't. Targeted Chris Godwin. Ball goes up in the air. Russell Gage able to reel it in. Right place, right time. Without that, the Bucs have zero points today. So the one touchdown that they had was a fluke. Uh, for the first time in what seems like the entire season – Todd Bowles up on the podium actually took some accountability today. He said the Bucs were outcoached and, quote, got their asses kicked on offense and defense in a 35-7 to loss on the 49ers. So I'm going to be honest with you. But he said that he's always, oh, coach has got to coach it better. Yeah, like that, sure. That's, that's his line. <laughs> sure. But, um, you know, let me ask you this. You want to talk about taking accountability. I don't know how the Bucs, and I know that we spent a lot of time with Sean King. We talked about it after the Monday night football game. We spent a lot of time this week justifying Todd Bowles' decision to not let go of Byron Leftwich any sooner. David, but, David Cardona in the chat makes a valid point there. Let me hear he it. Makes a valid point. Wanish ball greater than signed Bulls ball. I, I, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, well, Wanish ball isn't coward ball. But while we are on the topic of Todd Bowles ball and Byron Leftwich football, I don't know how you can justify another week of this guy being your offensive coordinator. I totally understand the position that Todd Bowles is in. We talked about it on the game preview show. 
you know, it is a risk to hire from within right now because how much better is the next guy going to be realistically? And if you are Todd Bowles and you want to make a move at offensive coordinator throughout the offseason, you're going to want to break that coaching tree. There's nobody in the building right now that you're going to want to bring in to be your offensive coordinator. So with that being said, I think Todd Bowles literally just needs to nut up or shut up and, and just quit putting up with this shit. Like, why are we doing this week after week? Why are we trying to justify this Bucs team almost scored no points today? They scored three points against the Carolina Panthers. Like, what? This is a pattern. You know, the fact that they aren't scoring touchdowns. I know Tom Brady threw two interceptions today. We talked about the costly penalties. And it felt like Murphy's Law was in full effect today, where if anything could go wrong for the Bucs, it did. But Jesus Christ, seven points. You know, there's just there's there's no excuse. And I don't understand. I don't understand why they haven't pulled the trigger, because I talked about a little while ago. The biggest thing about this coaching staff that scares me to death, that I just don't have faith in them anymore because of is their complacency. And you and I both know that Todd Bowles is just going to accept this until the end of the year. We are not going to move on from from Byron Leftwich. And to be honest with you, I literally cannot understand why. There is just nothing reputable he has brought to the table. Even in fucking wins, Evan. Even in wins. It's not like we can go out there and credit Byron Leftwich for putting together a great game plan in the second half last week to rally in the final four minutes against New Orleans. Like, that was on Tom Brady calling the fucking plays out of no huddle. You you make, yeah, I mean, you know, I can't can't really say much to it. You know, I, I agree. Um... You know, just like you said, though, they're not going to. Like, if it was going to happen, if it was going to happen, it would have happened. One, I think the pressure was legit on him after that Baltimore game. And then Brady saved them versus the Rams. And then they actually, like, looked decent against the Seahawks. Like, their process was decent. Um, they were going to play action more. Um, so, I think, you know, those two games, like, and then you had the bye week. Like, I think if they would have lost those two games, I think they would have made a change over the bye week. However, they didn't, and um, you know they they had a, a lot of life, and then Cleveland was, uh, you know, and then yeah, New Orleans. Besides the the last two drives, was was pretty ugly, you know, and then obviously today. So the 49ers defense is really good, and that's what you're seeing right now. You're seeing when the Bucks face a really good defense, that's what it looks like. There is no, you know, oh, you know two touchdowns in the final final two drives. No, that doesn't happen because the 49ers defense, I think is the best in the NFL. Um, but it, it's, it, it's tough because just like you said, does Todd Bowles want to, you know, because you're not going to hire somebody from outside. You'd be running a whole new offense with five, four games left. Like, no, you're not going to do that. So it would be somebody from the inside, somebody who's already there and what, so they're the offensive coordinator for four or five games. And then you move on and get another guy. Like, you know, I, I so I, I understand you know, what you're saying. And, and uh, I agree. Um, and if I had to guess, I would not expect Byron Leftwich to be this team's offensive coordinator next year. I just I don't expect that. Uh, you know, and, and but I agree that the accountability is something that is not there. And you know, doing something like that could also send a message to your team that like it's not going to be tolerated. And when you and, and, yeah. when you hold on to a guy like that after the results just aren't there, right? Like if this. You know, if they if they came out of the bye week and they scored thirty against Cleveland and they scored thirty last week, you'd be like, all right, seven points. This is an ugly game, but 
yeah, you've been re- doing really well. Let's put it past you. Yeah. But when it's becoming, like you said, you know, a pattern um, of it happening multiple times this year, and I've defended Leftwich a bunch over the past two years, but like right now, it's like it's becoming impossible to defend and the guy because it's just it's it's getting bad. The the proof is in the pudding. This is an offense that was averaging thirty points per game. I'm pretty sure an NFL high just a season ago. Like what the fuck? What are we doing? What are we doing? Just like you said, you know, you, you set a precedent, you set a precedent, you set an example and you tell everybody in the organization, this is acceptable. This is, this is what we're going to roll with week after week after week. And, you know, I know that cutting players and cutting coordinators is a hell of a lot different, but I mean, I hate to say it. I know that they're boys, but if Byron Leftwich or if Bruce Arians is head coach of this team, I don't think Byron Leftwich is your offensive coordinator. Uh, like I think I, but, Bruce but believes. I, I, th- I think the offense is better if Bruce. Arians I think the offense is a lot better. You know so what? You're right. They, so then they wouldn't have to fire Byron. Right. Exactly. Bruce, then we wouldn't even be the, having. The Bruce Arians over um, said, I think the the impact that Byron Leftwich actually had. I think he undersold the impact that himself had to try and talk up Leftwich. I'm not saying he was lying. I just think he didn't really realize how well, no, much but it impact all, he had on Leftwich. He's also a coach who knew what he was doing when he said those things. You know what I mean? Like that that's his guy. And that happens in any workplace. It doesn't matter yeah, what yeah, industry whatever, you work in. Yeah. If you know a guy and He's going like to have nothing but great things to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how that's how 99% of people in the media get their jobs is they know a guy. So right. for right now, Byron Leftwich knows a guy. And uh, that guy is, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately for us in the Buccaneers offense, Byron Leftwich knows a guy, which means he'll probably have a job for the rest of the regular season. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know All what right, else so- to say. So, so well, here's the thing, and here's my stance on, on a lot of it, because I know this question is going to come up a lot, so that's why I want to sort of address that. Then we can move on to one last topic that will, I'm sure, get a lot of people, you know, have opinions on, and I think you know what it is. But um, so um, about left, which I said, I don't expect him to be the offensive coordinator next year with Bulls. I, I do think there's some heat. Uh, however... If they make the playoffs, like as I've if been you, saying, like I I can't see them moving on from a guy if they win the NFC South. Like I just I can't do it. If they miss the playoffs, I think that's a legit conversation that will be had. Um, however, especially you know if they let's say you know they lose to Cincinnati, you beat Arizona, but then you know, let's say you lose to a Carolina or something, you know, and then. Carolina wins the division. Like if that happened, sure. Like I, I think that conversation should be had and, and will be had. But if his job is relatively safe, if they make the playoffs, which I still, it's hard to believe. I still expect they're going to, to do. I, I'll tell you this. Um, I agree with what you said about Byron left, which I don't think he's here next year. No if ands or buts. I mean, unless the Bucks win the goddamn Super Bowl by scoring 21 points, then I don't think he has a job in Tampa next season. Um, but as far as Todd Bowles go, is goes, I, I I think it's going to ride on, on literally the end of the year. I mean, it, it's as simple as it gets. If they win the division, he's going to be here 100%. If they do not, and I'm, I, listen, this is just me. I'm just, you know, I'm just Joe Schmo. Uh, what do I know? But if they somehow lose their lead on the NFC South, and miss the playoffs, everybody's gone. Like every, every, I do not care. Everybody's oh, yeah. gone. 
Well, and, All right, Jason quick, Light uh, may be the last man standing. Well, and real quick, uh, I saw something in the chat from uh, Miguel Ramirez saying winning, winning the division by default and backing into the playoffs should not save his job. We're not saying it should. It shouldn't, but we're, we're in the grand should. But in the grand will. scheme of things, this is a Bucks team who has not won the NFC South. I think they've only won it once over the last decade. Yeah, you know, last year was the first time since 2007. Right. Even when they won the Super Bowl in 2020, they didn't win the NFC South. So if you can hang a banner, I know people hate calling it hang a banner, but they literally hang banners in the practice facility. If you can hang an NFC South banner, even though the year has been what it is, uh, we heard Greg Olson talk about it on the broadcast. The seven, eight and one Panthers won the division. And I, I think they held on to Ron Rivera after that, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like, you know, it's really tough to justify firing a guy when you and, and, won the division. And, and, and yeah, and, and there's the thing. I still think if I was the owner, I'm, I'm going to be blunt here. If I was the owner, even if they make the play, unless you, if you win a playoff game, you win two playoff games, then that's different. But if they make the playoffs as a wild card team. And they're and, one and, and done. And, yeah, they lose in the first round. I would still fire them. I, don't, I, I agree. To. But they're not going to like so. That's what we're talking about. It's not our opinion on what we would do. It's just the facts. Like they're not going to be firing unless that playoff game is just an absolute slaughtering. Oh, like, like a thirty-five to seven. No, like fifty-six nothing. Oh. Like you know, and like, we've been unless, there before, unless, man. Real ones, remember. That, Unless that playoff game is just truly an embarrassment, I don't see a way that they're going to fire Tom Bowles to make the playoffs, which, like I said, I understand there's going to be some doubters. I just think at the end of the day, they still have a better roster than both Carolina and Atlanta. That Carolina game is going to be in Tampa. Um, I just think they have better rosters, so I still do expect them to make the playoffs. So, yes, I expect Todd Bowles to be here next year. I do not expect Byron Leftwood should be here next year. And it's such a shame that in the position this team is in, it's six and seven, we can look at the roster and still say on paper they're better than damn near half the league, if not more. And if that isn't the biggest issue with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2022, I don't know how else to explain it to you. Um, this is a short show today, folks. We would talk about the defense, but I mean, 200-plus rushing yards given up on the ground. The 49ers, they the imposed 49ers their ran will. All, they ran all over. I mean, they like – not even like the running backs, though, like the wide receivers. Yeah. Like, like the Bucks look so slow out there. Like, yeah, and, guys like they, just – They're a fast defense, but they just look so slow. All right, real quick, before we, we wrap yeah. up, we you got to talk about the elephant in the room because I, a lot of people are, are going to, you know, point to it and stuff. Uh, let's talk about Tom Brady. Um, did he play good? Absolutely not. Probably his worst game. Uh, however, this is, I think, the best defense in the NFL. doesn't excuse it, but it's the best defense in the NFL. Um, a lot of bad people, throws today. A lot, yeah, lot yeah, of bad know, throws he today. Missed, you know, missed, um, missed Julio on an open one, missed Scotty on an open one. The, the one that a lot of people are going to point to is his end zone miss for Mike Evans, uh, where if he kind of lobs it, uh, Evans could beat the, his defender to the back of the end zone. And instead, he kind of went back shoulder there. It's a weird decision. Uh, there's a difference a big difference between not playing well and being a bad football player. Right now, Tom Brady is not playing well. That does not mean that Tom Brady is a bad football player. I'm seeing a plenty of that, that, oh, yep, there it is. He's done. It's over. It's over. These are the same people that want him back next year. So, like, I don't understand. Okay, like, there seems to be no, no in between. He played like crap today. That's true. He's not washed. Both can be true. 
without him, they probably win like two or three games right now at this point. So, like, did yeah, he with, without well today, listen, no, he did not. Let's face it: without Tom Brady on the roster, you don't beat the Rams, you don't beat the Saints. That's already a four and nine record compared to six and seven. And I'm I, sure that do you uh, you don't beat the Saints twice? That's three. Yeah, yeah, damn true. Damn true. So Tom Brady, his stat line looked like this today. 34 for 55, 253 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. So uh, obviously that touchdown. One, one was on him, one wasn't. One was a bit, the one, the first one was a bad throw. Second, second one was second a great one, play by the linebacker. The second one and, and the, the, the pressure, um, the, the pressure kind of got to him there. So the first one was just a, a brutal throw. The the second one, the, the pressure kind of got there. So um yeah, but I mean, yeah, he he didn't play well. Like he, he really didn't. And I know that there's something that came out today from Ian Rappaport. It's nothing to me. Um, I mean, it's the same he, report he that comes out this time yeah, every year. Well, he literally says the three outcomes that could possibly happen. He returns to the Bucks. He retires, or he goes elsewhere. Thanks. The thanks for that great reporting. That is, I could have told you that. I you gotta get the clicks, believe, man. It's all about the clicks. I still believe that Brady will retire. Um, but, um, you know, and then, like, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, he's not going to be in Tampa or whatever. So, so he may not be. Who knows? But I, I believe he will, will retire. But he's still a good quarterback. Like, he, he's still good. Did he play well? No. Did he play well last week up until the last two drives? No. You know, but there, there's been times where his team has let him down. Like, those around him have let him down. Has he let them down at times too? Absolutely. I just said it. Today, if he makes a few different throws, maybe, you know, things change a little bit. Last week, if he makes a few different throws, do they have to score in the final seconds to win? Maybe not. So, you know, the Baltimore game, he makes a few more throws. They win that game. Uh, there, there's a, a couple instances here. So, um, you know, I mean, if you if you've watched every game, like you should know this – this dude is is still playing at a very high level. And has, has it been the level of 2020 and 2021? No, it hasn't. No, but, but it's I, still very good. I do want to speak on the fact that he played the whole game. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, think I, yeah, I, I didn't think it was necessary. I think once the score went up 35 to nothing, he had zero business in the ball game. And I don't know if that's because Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles didn't have the balls to bench Tom Brady or if he just told them, I'm not coming out of the game. But you know, for the people that talk about him being washed and talk about him checking out on this team and and not wanting to be there, I mean, he didn't have to play. I can tell you this. He did not have to play the, the third and the fourth quarter of that football game. Things were all said and done. We could have seen Blaine Gabbert, but we didn't. Now, take that for better or for worse. Take this however you like. Form your own opinion. But I do think it says something about the guy that he stayed out there until the very end. Yeah, but I mean, at that point, that's where you know, if the head coach of a team, you gotta say, look, like I, we got. It's dumb got, that he's we, out there. It's yeah, dumb. We, we got more. We got more football games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. And his hand, you know, his hand was threw the, banged up. Threw there. the ball fifty-five times, and I think twenty of those were after that direct hit to the helmet. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'd be like, look, man, like this game ain't coming. You know, this, this game's done. Like we need you next week and the week after that and the week after that. Like we don't need you for this one anymore. So I understand. Uh, but I, I think it was pretty stupid. Well, uh, in the chat, I got to tell you, Brandon Burkhart says it perfectly. My sentiments. Exactly. We're on to Cincinnati. There it um, is. 
We're on the Cincinnati Bucks Bengals next week at Raymond James Stadium. I'm going to be taking my mom to that game. So please, for the love of God, I hope that I don't have to expose my poor mother <laughs> to anything like what we just saw today um, in Santa Clara. But the Buccaneers will be back home in Raymond James Stadium next week. Six and seven record, and you get the defending AFC champions coming to town who just got a win over the Cleveland Browns today. But lucky for us, hey, that Joe Burrow kid, he's good, but he's no Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, any closing thoughts here? Any take bag to wrap this thing up? Um, not really. Uh, the, the 49ers process on both offense and defense was pretty much what I expected. I really, especially early on, they didn't, I mean, Purdy made some big time throws, but the, the 49ers didn't force him to make a ton of difficult throws early on in the game. Right. A lot of quick screens, a lot of stuff to Kittle, uh, you know, that safety blanket there. Debo was involved early before his injury. Um, so they're, I expected the Bucks to be more competitive, but the 49ers process overall of how they worked on both offense and defense was kind of what I expected. Um, and they, like I said, I, I think my biggest biggest disappointment is uh, the defense because we knew I think that the offense it was going to be a struggle for yeah. this team, but the, the defense got you know outclassed um, and you know Kyle Shanahan coached circles around them and the defense has been good this year, but I mean it was pretty brutal on, on Sunday. So yeah, I, I thought uh, the 49ers today looked like probably the most well coached unit the Bucks have seen all year. I mean, that includes, you know, they, they might be. Yeah, that includes Kansas City, because even that game was a little bit close. Uh, the most offensive production for Tampa Bay, like even though they were down early, they made that a game at no point today. Did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers show up to play football? Um, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I know it's a short show, but. We've covered the bases that that's it, you know, usually. Usually it's a short show whenever the Bucks get their ass beat or they kick somebody else's ass, right? Because when you can come on here and say that they did everything well, all three phases, you know, the, the team worked well today. That's probably what a 49ers podcast sounds like right about now. So listen, at the end of the day, we do really appreciate you guys hanging out with us live on YouTube. Got a little over 100 people in here. Shout out in the live chat. Amazement 717, DS, Tyler Belcher. Austin Fel uh, Farrell, Amazement 717, Harvinder, Dark Angel, Brian Shaw, Yeti RC, and of course, shout out our buddy Matt Diaz with the $5 Super Chat a little bit earlier. Anyone else I did forget, we truly do appreciate you guys. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. And uh, find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram, Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Check out his written work at BucksNation.com. I know that stock up, stock down going it's, to be coming it, out this it'll week. It'll be interesting. Yeah, well, I I mean. It'll be a it, lot more stock down than stock up. Yeah, can we can we already shoe in Donovan Smith? I don't want to spoil your story, but is uh, he going to be on the I, list somewhere? I think he might make an appearance. Yeah. All right. For better or for worse, be on the lookout for that. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, last but not least, find myself on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Reticus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you later this week. We will be joined by former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Sean King. We'll get his thoughts on the 35-7 to loss. And, of course, look ahead to what the Bucs are going to face in Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals back at home in Raymond James Stadium. But that's the show once again. I am your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. 
We'll talk to you guys in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you so much for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.